Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Wasp Report. My name is Alex Chinnery, I'm joined as ever by Mr. Rob Sutton. Rob, how are you doing? Yeah, good thanks, good thanks. I would just apologise in advance, if you hear any fireworks in the background, I'm living in Twickenham, as many of you know, and obviously, you know... Eddie Jones is in town. There's an important game going on tomorrow, so the firework displays around here tonight. So, uh, if you hear it in the background, I do apologise. Yeah, uh, well, you know, it is that time of year, isn't it? So, oh, here we go, here we go again. Um, not been around for a couple of weeks. In truth, it's been quite a testing time uh, for the two of us because there's been so much conjecture and rumour and misinformation and information and, quite frankly, performances that might get me banned from anything to do with the club for life that... It's been relatively low on our on my list of priorities as well. I've got other things going on privately. Um, we just haven't sat down to record. And we apologise, but we are back. It's a bumper issue. We're going to do a little bit on the Premiership Cup game this weekend because it is at home, so it, it's a little bit more relevant to all of you. Um, because we've actually heard of the players that are playing. Well, yeah, I know, yeah. a lot of the youngsters were good that, that were from the Sevens team, you know, they, yeah. it hasn't quite translated to on-field performance yet, but they faced they faced a Gloucester side who have got one of the best academies in the country at the minute in terms of talent, um, and yeah, it got a, got a little bit out of hand, but they, they competed well after a, after a little while, so... Yeah, yeah, it seemed like they got blown away first half, and then it was a bit more respectable second half, but... Uh... Those are the ways uh, those cut games often go. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important this week to note that there are a fair few more experienced players coming who have come back in. You know, the likes of Rob Miller and and even Craig Hampson in there are good leaders. They'll be they'll be they'll be great for the for this team. And then you've got the two props as well who are in there. You know, it's it's going to be a competitive Wasps team and a Wasps team that should really win the game. Um, uh. In truth, I'm really, really looking forward. To, well, I won't actually see it because this competition you can't catch it unless you're there. And well, it's this Sunday, and and I have a lot going on on Sundays now with uh, with it being NFL season or football season, as I should say. Um, so I'm not coming up to a Premiership Rugby Cup game. Um, in in total truth, I really want to know how Tom West gets on in the front row. Yeah. We've seen Will Stewart come in and have a massive impact this season, and and Tom West is sort of the is is build and 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 has been part of a double act throughout their whole time in the academy together. These two are the future of the Wasp front row. They, if managed correctly, and if they stay healthy, which touch word they will, because they depend on their health for their livelihood at the minute. They will be the future of this Wasp front row because they're talented individuals who are built as props are in the modern game, and they are just—they could just be so good. And I, Tom West, could have a similar impact to the, the impact that Will Stewart has had if he gets if he gets some run in the team. I think it will probably be the start uh, or going into the back end of this season, early next season, before he really gets involved in the first team side of things. But he's got talent, and I, I really hope he shows it this Sunday. 
Yeah, it's an interesting Saints team because they've gone for quite a similar approach to what we've done. It's, it's a mix of youth and experience. Um, Paul Grayson's son is flying off. He's supposed to be a half-decent player. And uh, there's Charlie Davis at Scrum Half as well, who's ex-Wasps. And they've got a very experienced back row. Jamie Gibson starts this week. who's He's had a really good start to the season. So it's going to be a really interesting game. And uh, whoever wins this game is going to be in, uh, in, in a pretty good position to actually progress in this tournament because Bristol aren't really taking this competition too seriously. So you'd expect Wasps to beat Bristol next week. So if they can win this one, two wins, then they're, you know, they're, in, they're in a decent position. Yeah, I I agree. I think you know, I I do think next week we'll we'll we might see uh, two different teams depending on the result. I think if they yeah, lose sure. if, the, if they lose this week, then it will be the academy lads again who who are trotted out for the last game at the Rico, and just to preserve anyone who could be, who could be playing in the Premiership the week after. But I do think they'll win this weekend. You'll see another blended mix. Of talent, and that will be you know that will be interesting to see. Well, it's quite interesting the fact that obviously we play Northampton this week, and the first Premiership game is Northampton. Then we play Bristol next week, and then the next Premiership game is Bristol. So it's sort of uh, I don't know whether you can get psycholo- psychology psychologically ahead of uh, of a team in in a cup game, but you know maybe maybe that has come into Dice thinking. Yeah, possibly so. Possibly so. I'm sure he's thought about it because so. we all know Dyer is a very intelligent, well-rounded individual. Well, he, he's done the pre-match media this week, which is interesting because he doesn't normally do it for cup weekends. So that suggests to that when he did that midweek, uh, that suggested to me there's going to be a reasonably strong team names this weekend. Yes, yes. I mean, obviously Dyer was was a front rower and we all know that front rowers are the most intelligent of the rugby playing community. <laughs> That's a known fact. You can't dispute that. That's not an opinion. Um, now, yeah, I'm, I, I feel almost reinvigorated by this break of the last couple of weeks from everything that's gone on. We've been able to focus a bit on England and... We'll get players back healthy. We will hopefully get some momentum over the next couple of games with the with the squad members who are there. Hopefully they can put in performances, put some pressure on the on the starters, which is something that Dyer spoke about midweek. Yeah. He really wants the, the backups to play well to put those start put pressure on those starters and, and take some minutes away from them so that he can give them some rest and we can rotate players in and out. I think um I think Bobby tweeted out earlier in the week that um that Josh Bassett has pretty much played every minute so far this season, and maybe you know if if, a, if one of the wingers, Marcus Watson or someone, goes well this weekend, maybe the you know might be putting pressure on him. And, and I think you need that at a club like Wasps. You, you need that that competition for places. And I don't think there's been that this season. I mean, injuries haven't helped, but even so, players can't play every minute of every game. They yeah. just can't do it physically. It's impossible. Yeah, I. I've played twice this month and obviously I'm nowhere near in the same shape as, as these guys are. They're professional athletes. But I don't play at the same intensity in the games that I play. And you're hurting for days afterwards. Uh, and there's, there's nowhere near the intensity that these boys are hitting each other at. Uh, and 
they, they, they will need to take weeks off in the middle of the season. I really thoroughly support an idea that was put forward. I can't remember which pro put it forward. And I really apologise if they're listening. Or if you're listening and you're the pro who put this idea forward, then, you know, give us a sh... Come on. Slide listen, into those DMs. Listen, Slide listen, into Jack, those DMs. I'll have you on. This isn't Jack Berger's tweet, was it? It might have been. It was someone. Two-week rest periods are needed. Yeah. And it needs to be two weeks away from everyone. Mm. Because... It's not just the physical. It's the mental side of being so focused on your competition and on being the best you can be, the best rugby player you can be, because the livelihoods of these guys depend on it. Uh, it's just they need they need a break from it. We all we all feel it. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure I'm sure every single one of you at work or at college or at university, wherever you are, sometimes you just feel like you need a break. And these guys need that as well. They're human beings, and we need to treat them well because they are—they sure, are the game. I'm sure there are some people who are quite glad the cups come because you know you can have a break of going to matches and stuff. You know, yeah. I'm sure plenty, plenty of our listeners will be going on Sunday and next week against Bristol. But for the vast majority of people, I'm sure they won't be coming over the next couple of weeks. And you do need a break like that. Um, I'm just going to throw in a transfer rumor. Oh. Uh, I don't know if this has been picked up in the wider media, uh, but uh, I understand that there's a potential move for Lewis Boyce from Quinns, who is a front rower. Mm. Uh, Young lad, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's played a couple of... He's actually... He's, he's quite often on the bench with Joe Marler. Joe yeah. Marler's and Boyce will come on. And with, you know, with McIntyre and Mullen both having injuries, I think uh, Dye is potentially looking to bolster the front row. Yeah, I agree. Um, that is that is very true. I um, we also I don't know what the the status of uh, of jury of Zizi is. Um, he will probably be involved in the World Cup. I was going to say, is he in the next season? Ge- he's in he's in the Georgia squad now for this autumn this autumn period. Um, take, but I think I think game. I think yeah, because they're playing Italy. I think there is there are, they have three internationals, Georgia, um, and I think it's the last weekend that they don't have a game. Yeah. Um, so, I do believe we won't have him for the Northampton game, uh, which means it's quite good that we're getting props back fit. Um, I do I do feel though that this year is similar to. To ones we've seen before, but not for a very long time. You know, I, I'll always hark back to to the years where we won things. 2007, 2003, four. Often, we didn't have a good start to the year. You look, you look back last year at the way teams use momentum to really make an impact in the playoffs this team is capable of that I feel like when Jack Willis is back fit when Thomas Young is in the team and firing when Brad Shields manages to adapt to his adapt his game to playing for Wasps when he settles in a little bit more when he's given that little bit of extra time in the second half of his of his first season when Dan 
Robson, if Dan, no, when Dan Robson comes back, when Joe Launchbury comes back, when Lima Sabuanga starts to click with this attack a little bit more, we are going to be really dangerous in the second half of the season. It's about staying in touch for this first half while things bed in, whilst we, we round into form. And then it is about rounding into form at the right time. It may be that we don't get out of our Champions Cup group this year. You know, maybe we, we don't do as well as we th- we think we might do in the Champions Cup this year. If we have to sacrifice that to have a run at the Premiership, then so be it. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with you. I think, uh, I think Exeter might be in a similar position to us as well, considering the start they've made to the Champions Cup. I think uh, they're the same as us. They've lost one and drawn one. So you could well have two teams up the top of the Premiership that uh, that aren't in the Champions Cup quarterfinals. Um, also, this though, and they are still third in the Premiership. I know they haven't played at their best yet, but the, the one game's a rugby. Exactly, uh, exactly. I agree. I agree, and I I don't. I, I think it's been it's been rather. I think the last three weeks, because obviously they didn't. They got they got beaten by Gloucester. We were just chatting about the Gloucester game before we came and recorded this, and just. That seemed to be the start of sort of a mad couple of weeks for the club, and uh, they probably should have won the Bath game, and they were always going to lose in Dublin. So things are not really that bad. Let's be fair here. No, um, it, it's, it's, frust- it, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. It's been a difficult. Obviously, the Christian Wade story is difficult to deal with. I think because of the timing, but you know, this th- there are far worse things you could be doing on your Saturday afternoon than watching wasps at the moment. Absolutely, and um, I think this this game could be a bit of a catalyst because there are so many players in this team that are due uh, what what's called in the US media they call it a coming out party or coming out game <laughs> where they where they come and announce themselves onto the stage a little bit you know someone like Ambrose Curtis who hasn't who hasn't played this year yet but has talent we've seen that talent he's he's come from from the best breeding ground for talent in world rugby, playing club rugby in New Zealand. Yeah. And he gets yeah. his shot this weekend. Billy Searle has looked really good at times when he's been on the pitch. He hasn't seen the pitch much because we have an all-black starting at 10. Mm. I guess when, when it comes to Curtis, he is probably the beneficiary of the Christian White story, I'd have thought, in the short term. Because the Elliot Daly's going to be with the way with England at the moment. His signing makes so much more sense now. Yeah, although I guess I, I guess Wasps didn't know, but yeah. Well, they well, they knew it was in the works. They knew what Wade wanted to do. If you, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's wanted this for for a while. Um, we just were uh, from from everything. Everyone's read it. Everyone's read the story. I'm not going to rehash it on here. Um, I think he could be a real impact player for us. He's he's more. Of a winger in the Josh Bassett mould than than the Christian Wade mould. He's a he's a big lad. He, he's fast. He's athletic, and he's quite intelligent. And I think if he can have a really good performance here, get his way, force his way into contention to be in the team, it allows us to to rest Elliot, to rest Billy, to use these different players in games. And I really, I really hope that he has a he has a good game. Just, uh, just a quick point on Vinny. Um, 
I presume he goes missing after this week because obviously he can't play against England because of the pest regulation window rules. Yeah, so I think we lose him for for the two games, the Bristol and the Northampton games. And then he can play Saracens. He can. Um, it's just I think, and I think he will because obviously he will have had two weeks off. Um, the last two weeks because he can't. It's not even that he can like he can go and train with South Africa this week. He's not allowed to to even train with them. Um, under the under the regulations, so he will have he will have re- he will be, he will have been rested for a couple of weeks, and I think he would be capable then of going straight back in against Saracens. Mm. Elliot, on the other hand, I'm not sure. Yeah, I could I mean, see them with with a double header against Toulouse. I can see them taking the cautious approach with both Elliot and Brad Shields. Yes, because I think Brad Shields could play every game for England this autumn as long as he's in form. Yeah. I do, I do hope, and we're going to come on to the autumn. And I've got some quite candid thoughts on on England's autumn, and you're going to hear them. And well, it wouldn't be me if they weren't candid thoughts on England, would it? Um, we're being totally, totally honest. Um, Very true. But yeah, yeah. Oh, here we go. Here we pig and go. Um, I think we could definitely see our England lads uh, getting a rest. Right, I think we've we've um, discussed all we need to or all we wanted to about um, uh, wasps. I think it is time for us to move on to the autumn internationals. It's the really it is it's what got us to sit down and record. Today, if we're being totally honest, yeah. you know, if it if there if these hadn't been around or if, if it hadn't been for the talking points brought about by England selection by by the games this weekend, we probably wouldn't have sat down this weekend. Um, as I've said, things have things have been rather busy. Um, so, Rob, are you getting up at five forty-five tomorrow to watch Japan New Zealand? Uh, I wasn't going to. No, funnily enough. No, me um, neither. Um, um, I must, I must, I don't know, I don't know if it's just because I'm now living in Twickenham, but I'm quite looking forward to these next four weeks. Yeah, uh, I am as well, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to seeing what England produce. Because I think it could be brilliant, or it could be disastrous, and then quite amusing. Because um, I've got tickets for Australia, which is obviously game four, and if all if it all goes pear-shaped, I might have tickets for Eddie Jones' last game as England head coach. Yeah, and, you know, I... Um... I have a little mole in in the RFU. I can't say anything more because I don't want to embarrass him. Um, but I've I've definitely heard. Well, he's heard. He's he's currently uh, in there as. Uh, I'm not even going to go into it. Not even going to go into it. Um, basically, he's heard that Ben Ryan is the guy that they want. Yeah. If it all goes wrong. If it all goes wrong, it will be Ben Ryan until for the World Cup. Um, and then they will uh, look at it beyond, basically. Uh, and I mean, we've, we've discussed this a bit off air, but it, it sort of seems to me the RFU have lost a bit of patience, not just with Jones on the pitch, but I think off the pitch. I think that's the big problem for the RFU. To me, it's and I've, 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 said it, I've said it more than once, Eddie Jones reminds me of Jose Mourinho. Yeah. When it's all going well on the pitch, you can put up with the crass comments, the 
just the 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 treatment of players, the insane treatment of the media almost as well. You can you can put up with that, but when you start losing games, the players won't put up won't be won't put up with it, and and the RFU certainly won't either. Yeah, England need to be successful for the RFU to make money. And if you think that the RFU is there for any reason other than to be the most profitable union in the in the world, you're you, you are wrong. Sorry, you are. You know, if you if you want to if you want to really hear what the RFU is like, listen to Jason Leonard's thoughts on it. Absolutely. I've never met. I, I've, I've I know Jason quite well through through family friends who played with him at Barking, and I've never met a realer man in the game of rugby. Honestly, I've never met someone who's who is as honest as as Jason is, and I've heard him talk a lot about the RFU, and I've spoken to him about it. And the way the things he said to me, and I'm not going to put words in his mouth and, and talk about it there. I I don't understand how England have even been as successful as they are. <laughs> it, there's no clear philosophy, and and. I think that's so painfully obvious to see at the minute and in the way that Jones has run this England team. I might be reading too much into this, but I think I think there's quite a statement in the fact that Twickenham is not completely sold out for three out of four Auburn Internationals this year. Well, you, can, you can still get tickets for tomorrow if, you, well, if you've got 100 quid spare. Exactly. It's... The reason the reason Twickenham isn't sold out for tomorrow's game, there there are three three or four things. England England don't play very nice rugby to watch, so the hardcore rugby fan isn't going to then spend ninety quid on a ticket. Which brings me to the second, um, the second reason: tickets are too expensive for most people. They are they they just they people don't have that kind of money free because it's ninety quid for a ticket. But you've probably got to double that for the cost of the day. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. So that's so that's nearly two hundred pound a person. If you're a, if you're a, a, a couple going, that's four hundred quid. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't live near near enough to Twickenham, you've got to then get hotels and everything. It's it's an it's an awful lot of money. So so then, hang on. No, sorry, Rob. I've got to shut you down because I'm I'm mid flow here. I'm mid flow. So because it's ninety quid to go and probably a two hundred pound day all in, you get the the ground is full of barber jacket wearing, red trousered, arseholes who don't understand the game, who get pissed drunk all the time so much that they pass out and chunder everywhere, who are constantly standing up and walking up and down the aisles while the game's going on, who aren't interested in the rugby. Which comes back round to making the proper, the real rugby fan not want to go because they don't like that atmosphere. It's toxic watching England at the minute, especially in the ground at Twickenham, and it it pains me because some of my favourite memories have come in that ground. It's such a special place. There is no, there is no feeling like that walk from Twickenham train station when you see the ground appear over the, over the tops of the houses for the first time. When you, when you smell the South African barbecue stores, or and you and you see the tatty merch stands and the, and the pubs with everyone outside them, and the, it's fantastic, but it's ruined through corporate greed. And it's not on. 
and something needs to be done about I'm not, it. I'm not defending the RFU here, but the, this is why this is what I find bizarre about the whole thing. Just, so the tickets for South Africa were pretty. We're sort of you're looking at three figures for a decent seat. Same with New Zealand, but I guess you sort of get that with New Zealand. For Australia, I mean, this is England. I know Australia aren't in their best form at the moment. I've got two tickets for 50 quid each for England and Australia. Like, I don't quite understand how Australia all of a sudden ended up in in a different category to South Africa and New Zealand. It's still England against Australia. Yeah, I mean, I, England aren't... Uh, sorry, Australia aren't that good, though. And I think it's... Yeah, but you, you could you could sell corporate you oh, could sell three figures for Australia. That's my point. And this this the final nail in the RFU coffin. Recent legislation has made it much much harder for financial professionals to go to games on corporate events. Mm. It, it's incredibly tough, as it should be, because yeah. I, I work in that industry. Um, and the new the new rules that have been brought in are fantastic because for too long it was an old an old boys club where you'd go to the rugby and you'd have everything paid for for you. It's not the way it should be, and the RFU is really suffering for it because they've just built that East Stand has yeah. so much corporate in it. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I walked past it in those days. It's it's, it's an unbelievable. It's, you can't quite believe that you could sell that much corporate hospitality for a game of rugby to be honest with you it's it's incredible it really is <sighs> but anyway anyhow anyhow talk about stuff on the let's pitch. actually yeah let's actually go to on the pitch um england selection came out yesterday probably you, the biggest battle by i am and i'm i'm not first off i must i've got to say there was a someone on twitter who put the best reply in. And it's all because Dylan Hartley and Owen Farrell have been named co-captains. <laughs> co-captains. I know it's just a title and it doesn't really mean a lot, but to the person who wrote underneath, are they going to come out the tunnel holding each other's hands rather than a mascot? Bravo. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> Oh, it's just silly. It just makes a mockery of it. You think about Martin Johnson or yeah. Will Carling or Delalio. These these great leaders, even Chris Robshaw. You know, I know he had. I know he had. I know he had an ill-fated game as England captain at the end, but yeah, he was still a fantastic England player and continues to be when he's fit and healthy and a fantastic guy who deserves to who deserves who deserved to lead that team and did a very good job of it and you you're ruining that legacy and that position by by naming a co-captain all all because Jones needs to be able to drop Hartley next week and push Owen Farrell in as and you know play Jamie George and push Owen Farrell as the captain without it being too much of a media hellstorm. Spoiler alert: it's going to be a media hellstorm whatever you do. Yeah. Now, I, I like him. Dylan Hartley seems to sell newspapers. Um, if he's getting dropped, I wonder why. 
Yeah, exactly. Everyone loves a birdie. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that confuses me about this England team for the weekend is that Jones persisted with Ford for so long and Ford wasn't playing well. Now, we've praised George Ford on here this season. Which, for me, that's that's quite some turnaround. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, and now, all of a sudden, Ford isn't playing and Ben Tio, who's played, what, about five minutes this season, is? Yeah, tw- 26 minutes, I believe, Ben Tio yeah, has played for Worcester this season. I'm not... A- I am and I am not against it. I I happen to think that a Farrell, Teo, Slade backline is probably the most balanced backline England can put out at 10, 12, 13. But Teo isn't fit. He can't be match fit. He's played 26 minutes. And so you're, you're risking him starting, getting injured, and then having to go up against the box with a, a midfield of Ford, Farrell and Slade. Now, those three are fantastic rugby players, but there's something in the universe called physics. And when one very heavy object collides with a less heavy object, very, very, at at quite high speed, there's only one winner. And it's the big guy. And I just, we've, we've left ourselves so open. Yeah. To being to for it to all go wrong, and I know that that's probably why Manu Tuolangi was named on the bench originally. Spoiler alert and shocker: <laughs> Manu's got a groin strain. <sighs> Poor bloke. Must must be some bloody comfy physio bed at Leicester Tigers. I'll tell you that much. And. I just—it is. I think he's been playing quite well, and I just—I'm gutted for him. I like to take the piss because it's funny, and he plays for Leicester. But I'm absolutely gutted for him. You know, he could be could have been England's difference maker across this. It doesn't, it doesn't this series. seem too bad though. As in, no, they think he'll be I around next week. week. And I—I I just really hope that if Slade has a. This, this, this is the problem I have with England this team looks like it has the, all the X Factor England need from 13 to 15 they are fantastic if you include 11 I know it doesn't make numerical sense but it, it makes rugby sense okay but May Noel Daly Slade as a group with Ashton on the bench ready to come on and make an impact it's that that's that's the most exciting England back three we've seen for for a long time. Mm. That's that's pr- probably the most exciting England back three since the days of Lucy and Robinson and Cohen. Yeah, well, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think for me, there's obviously endless. You could debate until next week about Elliot Daly's best position, but it's fullback. For, it, so you, for, you 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 can debate. But you'd be wrong if you said anything other than fallback. Well, I agree with you, but people people like a debate, don't they? As we found out. Oh, if you um, want, if you want to debate it, twitter.com forward slash I am Alex Shenery. Hit me up. <laughs> but be prepared. You better better bring your A game, and you better bring your facts, because I will get you. 
the point is though as an international 15 the guy's got the kicking game for it and uh, I think that could be a real impact I, for me the, the England game on uh, tomorrow is going to be pretty close I think I think this is going to be one score either way and you know you never it could come down to a daily penalty from halfway you never know I I think England will win tomorrow and I I think they will do so because South Africa are missing Vili LaRue and Faftekluk. Now I don't I it's a bit of a cop out to say that. It is, but this England this this England side just has if they if they play the right game plan, they they have the ability to, to beat this South Africa side because yeah. and I'm telling you I'm telling you this because Damien Villamza is a cracking player at fifteen, but he's not started a test match. And he's going up against a team with Owen Farrell in it, with Henry Slade in it, and with Elliot Daly in it. They are possibly three of the better kickers from hand in the world in terms of a tactical kicking game. The length of boot that England have with Slade and Daly out of hand is incredible. And I'm not sure that anyone, par, bar possibly Johnny Sexton, sees the field as well as Owen Farrell does. With ball in hand. If Willemser gets his positioning wrong, shows any kind of jumpiness under the high ball, shows any kind of decision making, if England can get a kick chase on him under pressure and kicks loose to England's back three, they will tear him apart. Uh. And it is how England are going to have to win this game because they don't have a Billy Vunapola or a Nathan Hughes to get them over the game line. They don't have a Jack Willis or a, a Chris Robshaw or a Sam Underhill to make a real nuisance of themselves in and around the ruck. Tom Curry's a good player, a good premiership player, but I don't think he's quite ready to be that at international level yet. Mark Wilson is solid and I think he'll have a fantastic game. But he's the type of player... You want, at international level, he's the type of player you want to be in your back row, under the radar, making himself a fucking nuisance of himself. He should be the type of player that the opposition fans come off and say, what a, what a prick. (laughs) I hate playing against him. But almost not notice that he's there because he's doing so much good work in the, in the deep, he, he's not the type of player you want to be your star in the back row. Yeah, because that's not his game. Yeah, he, he gets a lot of praise, rightly so, because people have have learnt that side of the game a lot more since the sort of two thousand and three team with with Hill and with back in there. And I'm not I'm not sold on George Cruz anymore at international level. He's a, he's an okay player, but I I think we lack. We lack something without a Laws or a Launchbury in there. They're just a level above, I think. To be fair, I think Joe's pretty pretty much made that point in the team announcement press. He he said that not in not in sort of he didn't say it outright, but he basically said that Cruz wouldn't be playing if Launchbury and Laws were fit. So 
Um, and I think he is also viewing Itoji as a second row as well, which is probably fair enough. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Brad Shields goes. I think his Southern Hemisphere knowledge might well be a big factor in the game. That's quite a scary back row, I think, the box have got. Uh, it is and it isn't. Now, uh, Peter Steph de Toit has been the Springboks open side for all of this year, or at least in the back row, he sort of swapped the 6 and 7 shirt with Koalisi, the captain. He's been phenomenal for them at 7 and 6, and whatever number he's had on his back, but in those positions, and they've moved him to to second row for this game. They've, they've brought the carriers in in Warren Whiteley and, and Dwan Evan Mullen at, at, seven, at 8 and 7, respectively. There's a, they're, they're, they're going to play one way against this England team. They're going to try and get over the game line with their big runners. And then they'll look to create space for their backs. They've got quick backs. They've got players who can score tries. We saw that in the summer. You know, Dialende and Creel is a really good 12-13 partnership. It's quite underrated by by the rugby world, I think, but they've, they've been playing together for a while, they know each other very well, uh, they're going to be tough to play against. Andre Pollard, he's a good player at 10, he's talented, he's not in the same level as, as I'm in Farrell, but if this South African pack is dominant against the England pack, it levels the playing field out for the, for the fly halves. And if the boxer on the front foot or Owen Farrell's on the back foot, it's going to be really tough for him to play there. Yeah. I think South Africa have come... It's a big old side they've picked, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's not... I, I don't think it's... Yeah, you've got to you've got to remember, these humans are... They might be, be slightly bigger, but a lot of it depends on, on sort of body type and, and build... More than just pure weight, um, I, I do think we we could struggle. They've named they've named uh, Detroit at five for a reason. They don't they obviously don't rate England's line out, which for me is a bit of a strange selection because with Laws and Launchbury injured, you knew they were going to go go cruising the Toje. Now, if it were me, I'd have named Jamie George in there as well because then you've got a line out system from Saracens that, that has played together over and over again and he's good and he, and he's really uh, a focal point for Saracens in possession they haven't done that um, they've gone he's gone Dylan Hartley but it's still a good line out England, it's a line out that's functioned well for England over over Jones's tenure and I think that's one area where they could get some they could have some good presence against South Africa but Etzebeth is incredible he's a, he's a great player and I think if he gets up there and he, he makes his mark on the line out, I don't know where England are going to win the ball. Because, well, the, because the at scrum England. time, at scrum time, yeah. England's front row is good. Hepburn and Sinclair are good players. But they're probably better in the loose than they are in the scrum. And they come up against Kitschoff and Malherbe. <laughs> Cracking scrummagers. They're gnarly, gnarly. They are big, big lads. And they will cause us problems at scrum time. Now, obviously, it all depends on 
on the how the game goes. Yeah, you know, referee decisions. Someone could yeah, you know, these are these are top level props. So one could get an advantage over the other quite easily at this level. There's no there's no big discrepancy there. And I think England have got to target one of the two set piece plays to try and get some ball. Yes, yeah, and the the lineup is something that's always seemed to have gone well for England. Um, in Jones and Taylor, as you mentioned, that sort of obviously got quite a strong Saracens call there. But the scrum concerns me. I think this weekend, uh, England struggled at scrum time in some of the summer games against South Africa. Um, so I think the key is if England can get enough ball for their backs, I think they'll probably win the game. If you can unleash that back line... And uh, you I'm need space, sure, though. I'm, you need space for that back line. I'm not sure if it's significant there's an Aussie ref tomorrow. I don't know whether that's, you know, something hemisphere and all that, but... Angus Gardner. I'm not a massive fan of Gardner, must admit. I don't know why. I can't admit I've seen him much, to be honest. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's because he's an Aussie. And Possibly. Just, Possibly. You, know, you see, Maxwell Keyes is doing internationals this year. Is he? Yeah, he's, I, I saw it early. He's doing like Romania against somebody or other. Oh, right. fair yeah. enough. Oh, yeah, here, here we go. Uh, Romania against uh, USA, Craig Maxwell Keys. Oh. Which means he won't be doing Saints away on the 17th because that's that day. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, well, you know, like, we all saw what happened when Matt Carley got given a game in the autumn last year. Fuck's sake. <laughs> Scotland should have beaten the bloody All Blacks but I digress I digress hang on before we carry on some uh, very important business to attend to so it oh now cracking back on um, we decided because we're awful at predictions um <laughs> We were going to make and do some some autumn internationals predictions for you because our pre season ones are going so well. I can't even remember them. Maybe I've just shut them out because I'm, uh, well, you know, probably doing very badly. Um. Anyway, autumn internationals predictions time. Um. I actually was slightly tired when I wrote these out to Rob this morning. Um, it was about what half seven, seven half seven, something like that, um, and uh, I was at work, hungover as ever. Um, now I might go in order. I might I might change them around and I might change the names of them. So um, yeah, if you get confused, I'm, I apologise. Um, we'll start off with a nice easy one: England's record at the end of it all. Four games. How many wins? How many losses? I will go for two and two. The optimist in me wants to say two and two because I think they'll win this weekend and they better bloody beat Japan. Um, but I've got a feeling this is an England team that hasn't played together since June yeah. or July or whenever that bloody game in South Africa was. Um, I I think South Africa, who have been playing together as a unit, who have had time to gel, I think South Africa beat England this weekend. I think England go one and three, and 
moving on to the the next prediction, which is the craziest thing to happen in the series. I think Eddie Jones is fired with under a year to go to the World Cup. Yeah, I was going to go for that as well. Um, I will also throw in uh, Tonga beating Wales because Wales will name a fringe team that could get caught out. Tonga are playing well. They've had some good results. I think maybe, maybe, how about this for one? Craziest, craziest happening. Georgia go undefeated in their three games. Okay. They play Samoa, Tonga and Italy. How's that for a statement? To be honest, I don't think it. I don't think it's as bad off. I don't think it's that far off. I mean, Italy away won't be easy for them, but you never know. Yeah, I trust them, and maybe not. Maybe not next year because obviously the World Cup they might not be playing. I'm going to Tbilisi for a game. <laughs> I, I, it's on my bucket list of things to do because that stadium gets packed out. It's supposed to be a stunning city. Um, a friend of mine's Latvian, and she was she was telling me she's been there. She said it's a, it's a fantastic city with fantastic food, really really nice people, and I want to go to a Georgia game, and I'm go- I'm definitely going at some point. Um, they might have a World Cup warm-up match you could go along to. I think they're due to play Scotland in a World Cup warm-up, but I don't know when it is. And actually getting to, Dibl- to Tbilisi isn't that easy from the UK. There are no direct flights. So um, <laughs> it's uh, we're working on it. We're working on it. All right. Um, while we're here, um, best, best Northern Hemisphere performance uh, in terms of teams. Um, Rob, you, you go first. I'll, I'll give you the layup, the easy one. Well, I presume you're wanting me to say Ireland beat New Zealand. I don't know if that's where you're thinking. Well, I mean, I meant sort of the best Northern Hemisphere performances over the course of the series. Sort of the team who comes out of it looking the best. I don't know. It could be Scotland, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if Scotland had a good autumn. I mean, they've not got a disaster. I think they'll beat Wales in Cardiff this weekend. Um, Then they go back to Murrayfield, Argentina, Fiji in South Africa. I think they they could certainly win. I think they could win three out of those four. Yeah, I like their chances this weekend against Wales. Mm. I think it will be a game full of emotion for a lot of people, yeah. and a lot of Scottish, a lot of the Scottish lads as well. Because yeah, Doddy Weir is an inspiring figure. Um, obviously, not inspiring enough for the Welsh and Scottish <laughs> RFUs to to give him some money at at the first. Uh, you know, w- without without some pressure being put on, um, yeah. There, no, I'm not even going to go into it. I'm not even going to go into it because it annoys me so much. Um, I, I think Scotland could turn them over this weekend, and mm. it would be a great result for them. I think France will come out of this autumn series with a lot of momentum. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. French rugby has been so in so much chaos 
for the past few years. But they always seem to peak coming into World Cup years. Yeah. They they always seem to, to peak into form, round yeah. into form. And we're into under a year to go now. And they've got good players. Yali Berten, um the other young lad who plays for Toulouse who could be playing who could play ten for them. Yeah, they've they've got really good athletes who are fast and powerful all over the pitch. And they've got a relatively simple three tests. They play South Africa, Argentina and Fiji. Now, obviously Argentina and South Africa are very good sides. Fiji uh, will always cause fireworks, but whether they can put together a disciplined enough performance to beat France in the 15-man game over 80 minutes, I are yet to be convinced of. But the games for France are tough but winnable, and they make great statements if they go 3-0 and over the course of this four-week period. Definitely. Definitely. France seem to be a team that, uh, come World Cup time, they could well beat anybody. Equally, they're France, that probably means they could lose to anybody as well. But yeah. They're, they're building quite nicely, France, and building quite quietly, which is not often the way France do, <laughs> do things. Not in the rugby world, no. Onto a team who have built, in probably the loudest fashion since England in 2003... My thoughts on Ireland are simply this. It's going too well a year out from the World Cup. <laughs> this is Ireland. Who are now probably the biggest choke artists in world rugby. Yeah. yeah it, I, I think you're right. I think it, it is going too well. Something will happen between now and the World Cup because as good as this Ireland team is, as good as this Ireland setup is, as good as everything they're doing and Leinster are doing and Munster are doing in Europe and in club rugby at the minute, they have also been, and I will probably get a shit ton of abuse for this, they've been incredibly lucky. Yeah. And I will tell you another team that was incredibly lucky was England in 2002 and 2003. However, that England team also faced their fair share of problems over the course of that tournament and the years leading up to it. This Ireland team haven't had anywhere near the same level of issues. They haven't been truly tested I don't think not they've been tested in games by other teams but not for an extended period of time for a long time and I just wonder I just think what would a big loss to New Zealand a loss by 15 or more points as can happen when anyone faces New Zealand what would that do to the psyche of a nation who is starting to believe that they are the second best team in world rugby? 
who is starting yeah. to confidently believe it. Yeah, I think there's a there's probably a difference between the way the Ireland players and coaches see themselves, the Irish fans, definitely. But it's going to be it's going to be interesting because it's not exactly a difficult autumn for them, is it? Let's be honest. Uh, no, it's Italy, Argentina, and the US plus the All Blacks. I mean, no, it's it's, it's, it's yeah, there are easier ways to warm yourself up. Argentina will be a tough game for them. Because they play, yeah. they play a style of rugby that that doesn't play into the Irish team's hands. They play a, a, a fast-paced, breakneck speed almost style, and they could upset the Irish. Whether it, I believe it will happen, I don't. I, I I think Ireland will probably still go three and one, and they may look great doing it. If I'm if I'm an Ireland fan, I want the tough period to befall my team now yeah. and not in a year's time I want to struggle here in this autumn so that when you come into the Six Nations you can go into it fired up and when you go back into Europe with your clubs you can go into it fired up so that you can try and regain some momentum or gain some momentum going into a World Cup that is so pivotal for Irish rugby they may never get this chance again or at least not for a long time. Mm. When England built that generation of players, we thought we would do it over and over and over again. We have never been able to recapture that and rekindle that. Uh, even in two thousand seven, when they reached the final, you've got to say yeah. that uh, you know they've never got to that that level again. But uh, no, it's going to be a very interesting. It's this is this is a. Pivotal autumn internationals. It always is a year out for the World Cup, and uh, there's going to be some really, really good games. I think. Yeah, I mean, two more, two more prediction things, and I, I, I realise I went off on a bit of a tangent. Oh, <laughs> shock. Um, England's man of the series, and I, I did post a bit of a spoiler for this on Twitter yeah. earlier, and um, and maybe I'm just being a massive homer, which I probably am, but. I look at that England team and I think who could be a difference maker? Who's who's world class in that England team? And I think that Owen Farrell is possibly in the conversation. For me, for me, world class, if I was to put the two best twenty threes in the world on a field, would that person's name be mentioned? as a possible candidate to play. For me, that's what a world-class player is. I think Owen Farrell is probably in that conversation. Um, I also think Elliot Daly's in that conversation. He showed for the Lions and has shown for England just what he is capable of. We've seen it at Wasps when he's in space and at fullback he has space. He can make an impact on this game. He's good under the high ball he's not Mike Brown there's probably not a fullback that is Mike Brown in world rugby under the high ball Brown's that good but he is he is good enough under the high ball for this level he is a fantastic runner in open space and he has a real brain to play in that position 
having him popping up in different positions in the attacking line, I don't know if England will do it. I don't know if the coaching staff's creative enough. But if they do, it has the potential to cause chaos. In a good way. <laughs> yeah. And I think we could see coming out of this series with Elliot Daly written in pen as England starter at 15. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. England's man of the series, Rob Sutton. Follow that. Well, I, I found... I had a couple of thoughts on this. Um, I, can, I can see Ben Young's having a decent autumn, you know. This is a bit of a controversial view, I know. He's not... Obviously, uh, I'm not sure if, if Dan Robson would be fit, whether Ben Young's would have got the chance. Um, but I, I just thought that... I, I watched that Leicester Scarlet's game in the European Cup a couple of weeks ago, and I thought... I just I saw something from Youngs that I'd not seen for a little while, and I can see him having a really good autumn. And I think the way Eddie Jones plays suits him. Um, I think I'd throw Farrell into the mix as well, definitely. Yeah, I mean, the, I I just can't see it coming from the pack. No, no. Unless Itoje somehow regains that monster form that he had when he first burst onto the scene, and people didn't really know who he was, I just can't see it. Being yeah. a forward, I tell you, what, I I would be the, the the happiest. I think I would be if it's not a wasp player. I'd love to see Mark Wilson go well. Over the oh yeah, hundred percent. He's he's deserved this recognition for a long, long time. Um. But yes, final final one upset of the uh, of the autumn. Oh, that goes quite well actually. Upset of the autumn. Um, here's one. This isn't a result. Uh, well, Maratoji played himself out of England's plans for when the likes of Launchbury and Laws come back. Yeah. Brad Shields has a good autumn, and you think, well, Itoji can't get in in either the second row or the back row. It's possible. It's certainly possible. Um. I think it's a, it's a long shot, definitely. You know, that's, that's, that's the idea behind this. So I, I know, I know. We like a long shot prediction. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. How about this one? Ireland go three and one, but the loss isn't against New Zealand. They lose to Argentina. And maybe I'm wholly overrating Argentina, the squad they're bringing over. I'm a big fan. I'm not going to lie. I'm a big fan of the way they play rugby. And I like to think teams like that have a chance of winning big games. I just, I can see it. Something in me. like They've got to crack at some point. <laughs> this Ireland team. Because it's Ireland. They always do it. Yeah, it'll be... Uh... If you bring Ireland, I think to lose to um, to lose to New Zealand. Uh, sorry, beat New Zealand and lose to Argentina. Um, I've already made my point. I I I couldn't see Tonga beating Wales in Cardiff because Wales will name a weakened side for that game. Wouldn't be surprised at all if that came through. Yeah, I I, I could see that possibly. Um, Japan beating England, could, eh, maybe. 
I don't think so. Because if Jones loses two games, if he loses on Saturday and loses to the All Blacks, I, I think he'll play a reasonably strong team against Japan. And he'll have too much. Yeah. But if he gets if he gets one win and England rest a few, you never know. The one to watch, and and I'm not saying England will beat New Zealand, but New Zealand are playing Japan in Japan tomorrow morning. They then have to fly to England to play England next weekend. That's a hell of a time zone change. Uh And a long, long trip. If there's any chance for England next weekend, they have to win and win well this weekend Uh to have some kind of momentum. And they have to hope like hell that the All Blacks are hit by some sort of jet lag and and tiredness from, from their plane journey over. Yeah, I guess um, when you play when you play the All Blacks, you've got to always clutch at straws a bit. And when England beat them 2012, yeah. uh, that was at the end of a very long tour and it all sort of fell into place. And I guess you've got to, you've got to hope for the same. Yeah, I, I can't see it happening in no. a million years. But... There's a glimmer, just a glimmer yeah. of hope. There. What would what what would the point be of sport without? Uh, oh, absolutely. Without hope, without hope. It's one of my favourite sport at the minute is college football yeah. in the US. Upsets all the time. It's fantastic. I love chaos. I thrive on it. Anyway, I think that's just about it from us. Um, do we want to go with a quick prediction for England South Africa this weekend? Uh, I will go England by less than a score, but it'll be very close. I think England turn it on and win by about 10 points. And that may may be surprising <laughs> to a lot of you who've just listened to me talk, but <laughs> I just it's just hit me just how much... I like the idea of this England team. And the back four. That back four could be sublime. And they could score tries. And if they get the ball, they should win England the game. Well, the forecast down here is a dry day tomorrow, so that, uh, that will obviously play. Get your barber jacket on and get a Guinness in your hand. Because English rugby is back at Twickenham. And as many people say, rugby season starts now.